Well, good afternoon, friends. It's uh, actually, we've gotten a little bit of rain in Tyler, Texas this afternoon, and that's been kind of nice. Uh, nice sounds from uh, outside where I am in the parking lot in downtown Tyler of the West Irwin Church of Christ. Uh, my Joycey says that uh, we got a little bit of rain at our house too, and it sounded really good. And I think uh, that's uh, quite a blessing. I always think of how our gracious God brings his rain on the just and the unjust. And so I'm hoping that if you needed that today, that you'll have some. You're in some of the uh, flood ravaged and hurricane uh, di uh, damaged areas of our country today, then I hope that God gives you what you need there as well. And that it might be something completely different uh, than what we need here in Northeast Texas. I um, do want to welcome you to our Facebook study. This is a study of the book of Psalms. Uh, Calls to worship and praise is uh, what I've kind of titled this. Uh, and uh, this this particular lesson, as we look at the Psalms, we uh, are looking at the Psalms from the perspective of that great book being um, a song book, but also a prayer book. And as we have begun this series over the last uh, few uh, sessions, the last couple of weeks, really, uh, I'm beginning to end today the uh, introductory parts of all of this. And, um, and so I want to summarize that just a little bit and share uh, a couple of other thoughts. And then we're going to get into some specific psalms today. And this is how our lessons are going to go over the next um uh, really a few months as we look through the Psalms. Psalms has 150 chapters, 150 Psalms, and uh, the way it's laid out in our English translations, and uh, that's, a, that's a lot. So obviously, I'm not going to cover every single one of those, but we're going to cover a lot of them, and uh, we're, I'm going to try to break it up into um, topics and topical psalms, basically subjects as we have seen uh, before. So a few things as we kind of begin today and just a little bit of review. Again, 150 psalms. The shortest one is Psalm 117, and we might just look at that one today. Uh, longest one, of course, Psalm 119, uh, with the theme of the Word of God. Such a great and incredible uh, chapter, I think 176 verses. And uh, we will cover that one when we talk about some psalms, such as Psalm 119 and Psalm 19 that focus specifically on God's Word. We talked a little bit the last couple of times about the headings of some of the Psalms and how they're not inspired scripture, uh, but they are likely accurate. And as you read through the Psalms, you'll read some of the Psalms that have um, a notation that says uh, something about the context, perhaps something about how it's to be used in worship. And in all of those uh, situations, we uh, we find helpful information. We can't rely on that as far as it being inspired scripture. But those things really, um, the best way, as we have said all along uh, in the last few sessions, and will continue to do so, is that um, the way you figure out a context of the Psalms is by reading the content of that Psalm. And I think that is something that's very significant. Um, one of the myths out there is that King David wrote all the Psalms, and though he wrote probably half of them, more, much more than anybody else, uh, he didn't write them all, or at least we don't know that for sure. 
there are several that we know for sure were written uh, by somebody else. He probably wrote more than he's credited for through the headings, but I would imagine that he um, uh, he has written a, a majority of what we have is our book of Psalms. Uh, Asaph was a Levite, a contemporary of King David, uh, which means that he must have lived sometime around a thousand, nine, between 900 and a thousand BC or somewhere in there, BCE before the common era. Uh, others are credited with uh, writing some of the Psalms, including Moses uh, and King uh, Solomon have uh, credited with a few between the two of them. Um, we have to remember as we read through some of these psalms today and in the days ahead that the psalms uh, is a book of poetry. It's, uh, it's a specific genre of literature, and it's uh, different to read that than to read law, uh, such as the first five books of the Bible, or to read an epistle. Uh, we're studying the books of First and Second Thessalonians in our Wednesday night adult Bible class here, one of them. And that's a different kind of study than if you're studying through uh, the book of Psalms. Um, and the same with Revelation and it's apocalyptic, the same with Isaiah as a, as a book of prophecy, uh, the same with Mark, which is one of the four gospels. Those are all specific types of writings. And, and so it's important to keep that in mind as you read them. They're still inspired scripture, obviously. But as I'm prone to say, you don't check your brain at the door when you open up your Bible to study God's word. And so those things are helpful. There's a lot of wonderful things about apocalyptic and that type of genre that are really helpful for us in reading a book like Revelation or certain passages in Daniel. Uh, actually, I think Leon Morris has written a little book entitled Apocalyptic, which is very, very helpful and reminds us of this the intense symbolism that's there, uh, the 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 culture of persecution that was uh, that the people who were receiving those um, that type of literature were typically under uh, the significance of numbers, uh, all of those kinds of things and more help us to be able to understand uh, as best we can anyway uh, that apocalyptic writing, uh, such as we find in the Book of Revelation. Uh, as we said, there are several types of psalms. We're going to look at some psalms today that are calls to worship. Uh, there are psalms of praise, um, uh, and the ones that are calls to worship, obviously, are psalms of praise as well. But they also can be especially used uh, at the very beginning of a worship service, for example. When we were doing that, uh, when we do that at times in our West Irwin uh, worship assemblies here on Sundays, uh, I always like to go to uh, certain passages of the Psalms that call on people uh, to come together and worship the Lord um, with our hearts together. And that's, uh, we'll see some of those today. There are Psalms of Thanksgiving, uh, such as the 23rd Psalm, uh, and others that uh, call on us to be thankful, royal psalms that, that the king has written, such as King Solomon, or that someone else has written uh, seeking God's blessing on, on the king. Uh, there are messianic psalms, uh, psalms about the Messiah, that great Psalm 22 that starts out, my God, my God, 
Why have you forsaken me? We don't realize sometimes when we read that in the book of Matthew and Mark, I think that Jesus was quoting scripture. And I think Jesus was remembering the whole of, of Psalm 22 as he identified with what that psalmist had gone through. And, and I think even in that uh, horrible, horrible traumatic experience, took comfort in, uh, in the word of God as he recalled uh, Psalm 22. There are laments such as one Psalm 137 that we uh, looked at last week where uh, the Israelites have been taken into exile into Babylon and, uh, and they cry out in sorrow and sadness. They can't even sing the songs of Zion uh, when the Babylonians asked them to do that because their hearts were so sad. A great lament, much of Jeremiah is lament. Uh, the book of Lamentations is uh, lament. There are penitential psalms, such as Psalm 32 and 51, psalms that uh, David has used to pour out his heart in penitence. And the psalms of ascent, the, the, the group of psalms from uh, around chapters 120 to 134 that uh, talk about, uh, the, these are the songs that the Jews sang as they were on their way to church, basically. Uh, perhaps to the Jerusalem for the festivals, perhaps uh, in some other context with some of those great psalms as they were preparing themselves uh, to worship God. And so again, context and setting and application and all of those things, uh, date, uh, possible authors, we get a little bit of hint in some of the psalms from uh, the ones that have headings, uh, approximately half or so, but for the most part, um, we read the chapter itself and the psalm itself. And that will tell us uh, exactly what's going on in the life of the writer, the psalmist, and in the life of his uh, community and his nation around him. Um, uh, psalms of praise, of course, are great psalms. And, um, and we're going to be looking at some of those uh, today. A final word or two before we begin with this section on calls to worship and praise. Um, Lynn Anderson, who's written a great book, Talking Back to God on the Psalms, has a great perspective on this when he says the Bible is God's word to us, but the Psalms are also our answers back to God. And I think that is exactly right. When you read through the Psalms, you hear people speaking primarily to God, just like with our hymns and songs that we sing in church. A lot of the contemporary songs that we sing are, are songs that are sung directly in praise of God. And I think that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, for example, glorify thy name, not exactly brand new, but uh, it's addressed to our father that we love and asking him to glorify uh, thy name. Same with the son, uh, to glorify thy name and with the Holy Spirit. It's a great Trinitarian uh, song. Uh, that uh, acknowledges God as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but it's uh, it's one that is directed to God Himself uh, in a prayer to glorify His name. Just as Jesus uh, looked up to heaven when He was when His hour had come, as John put it in John chapter 12, and um, and prayed, Father, glorify Your name through this cross that I am about uh, to bear, um, and so. As you read the Psalms, remember that you're uh, you're reading something that is written as not just um, a, a hymn book, but as a prayer book. 
And so these psalms are prayers to God. Many times they're encouraging one another. And again, in our songs that we sing in worship, there are some songs that we sing directed specifically at God. And there are some other songs that are specifically directed to each other. Uh, great passages like Ephesians 5:19 and Colossians 3:16 and 1 Corinthians 14. Those great passages that speak about uh, how we encourage one another through song, how we sing with the Spirit and with the understanding, how we teach each other uh, through our psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So we we understand that uh, there's a place for all of that in any kind of worship assembly. As I plan worship services, I like to have a mixture. Of, of psalms and psalms, traditional and contemporary, uh, some that are directed specifically to God in praise to him, others that are encouraging to each other, that call on us to be servants, uh, that call on us to uh, love one another as God in Christ Jesus has loved us. So the Bible, God's word, absolutely, but that section of the psalms is an opportunity for us to read the prayer book of of faithful people of God in the past, and to use that same prayer book uh, to announce our prayers and take our uh, hymns and songs and prayers before the throne of God, uh, just as they did. Uh, similar to the speeches of Job, you know, if you know me, you know that one of my favorite books, crazy enough as it sounds, is the book of Job. And as you read through that book, beginning with Job chapter 3, those speeches that Job has uh, scattered throughout the interaction he has with his three friends, quote unquote, um, those, those readings that where Job speaks, I think are especially helpful because he pours out his heart. Uh, he pours out his heart to the people around him, but he especially pours out his heart uh, to his God, who he felt like uh, in many ways had deserted him and had forgotten. Uh, that his heart was pure and that he was seeking to follow uh, God. And that's a great study. I love it so much. But we're studying the book of Psalms, I know, so we're going to stay uh, stay there. It is a song book and a, a hymn book. It is a prayer book, and it is a wonderful way to, uh, to worship uh, today. We use the heartfelt words of the psalmist to help us offer our own honest worship to our God. The psalmists were honest worshipers, and they offered honest worship to God. And I think when we use the psalms in the same way, uh, then we're blessed and we're helped in our worship and in the worship of those uh, around us. Um, and so as we get into a couple of psalms that are calls to worship, I want to remind you of just a, a couple of psalms before we do that and look at maybe one or two of those calls to worship. Um, psalm 125 is a great one that has inspired one of our favorite uh, songs here at uh, uh, West Irwin Church of Christ in Tyler. Uh, as the mountains surround Jerusalem, uh, so the Lord surrounds his people. Surround us, O Lord. We need to be in your presence. Well, that's taken right out of the Psalms. It's taken right out of Psalm 125, which begins, Those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion which another name for Jerusalem, which cannot be shaken, but endures forever. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people both now and forever. 
what a wonderful, wonderful thought that is, um, and a wonderful prayer that is for God to surround us, uh, O oh Lord. And then there's that very famous, the most famous uh, psalm of all, and perhaps one of the most uh, well-known scriptures of all. Uh, it's one that's used when we're going through difficult times. It's a great reminder to us of the blessings of God. And we'll look at it more closely down the line. But it's a great example of what it means to be thankful for God's presence. God's abiding presence is what the psalmist feels, David, uh, feels in a very particular way in the 23rd Psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What an incredible statement that psalm is. And I'm really looking forward uh, to sharing that psalm with you and together down uh, the line. But before we close today, I want us to look at the shortest psalm of all. Uh, and that's where we'll start. Uh, and that is Psalm 117. It's a great it's a great short hymn. It's a great short prayer. Interestingly enough, it is, um, by some calculations, it is the middle chapter of the Bible. Others have said that it's uh, Psalm 118. Kind of think it depends on how you calculate the chapters, which again is not inspired. Uh, but for uh, some versions, uh, the 117th Psalm is actually the middle chapter of the whole Bible. And it is one that has inspired uh, some wonderful songs uh, that we sing in church still today. Uh, the song, Oh, Praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord, all ye nations. That psalm is almost written exactly from uh, one of the older translations of Psalm 117. I think the doxology, all people that on earth do dwell, that song that's been around for centuries that, uh, or for years and years, decades, that call us to be thankful and to praise God and have been such an important part of a lot of traditional uh, worship. Uh, that song is taken right from uh, Psalm 117, I believe, and some other Psalms as well. Uh, so let's look at this Psalm 117. It's only two verses long, um, and it's a great, great um, prayer of blessing and call to worship. Uh, some psalms, again, are psalms of praise. Some of those psalms of praise are, are calls for everyone to join in, and a lot of them, such as Psalm 8, Psalm 148, this one in Psalm 117, our calls not just for the worshiper to do that, but for everyone to do that, even for all of God's creation. And so Psalm 117 is a call to universal praise. Praise the Lord, all you nations. I think it's important for us as we read the Old Testament to, we think sometimes that God was just concerned about the Jews in the Old Testament, and that is just not true. And it's statements like this one at the beginning of Psalm 117, praise the Lord, all you nations. 
God had in mind for the Old Testament Jews the exact same thing he has in mind for the church today, the chosen people of God. No, it's not the United States of America that's God's chosen nation, God's chosen people. He loves all nations, all people are created in his image, and he wants all nations to be righteous and just and, uh, and to take care of those in need. But at the same time, his chosen people today is the church. And that church, wherever, whatever nation they're living in, um, that church is who is supposed to be his salt of the earth and his light of the world. And is supposed to do exactly what the Old Testament Jews were supposed to do, which is call all nations in together to worship God. That's what the psalmist realizes in Psalm 117. And so when Jesus comes on the scene and then he's crucified and then the church begins in Acts 2 and then in Acts 10, Cornelius and his family, a bunch of Gentiles, a bunch of non-Jews are given the spirit. The apostles say, just like it was given to us at the very beginning. Why? Because in those two instances, there was a, a extraordinary a measure that had to be taken so that people would know that something different is happening right now. First with the beginning of the church and the ceasing of the Old Testament uh, law of Moses as a required thing. Uh, and now in, um, in Acts 10, the welcoming of the non-Jews. They don't have to become Jews, which is what they had understood since the days of Abraham to become a descendant of Abraham and then to obey the law since the time of Moses. Now they were called upon uh, to not be Jew or Gentile, but to be followers of Jesus Christ. An extraordinary thing. Uh, and, and it's through passages like this where they began to put together and say, you know, this makes sense because God has said we would be a light to the Gentiles. God has called all nations to worship him. Um, and I think some of these are the kinds of things that help them see that and put that uh, together. Um, praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. We talked about poetry and we talked about uh, parallelism. And these are two ways of saying the exact same thing. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. Um, different ways of saying the same thing, saying the thing that the psalmist wanted to say in calling everyone, Jew and non-Jew alike, uh, to worship uh, the Lord. And, and so that's who is called on to praise him, everyone, uh, all peoples, all nations. But why praise the Lord? And that's verse two. For great is his love toward us and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Uh, that's a recurring theme in the book of Psalms, as you know. Uh, how the Lord's love and mercy endures forever. Great is his love toward us and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Why praise the Lord? Because of his great love and faithfulness. And so this psalm ends exactly where it began with that great statement, praise the Lord. And we'll see that again a lot. And what it literally means is alleluia. Allelu, that call to praise, and then Yah, Jehovah, that shortened name of God, the sacred tetragrammaton, Y-H-W-H, Alleluia, praise the Lord. Uh, everyone, everywhere is called upon to sing their hallelujah 
and so uh, sometimes we'll sing in our songs, Hallelujah, praise Jehovah, such as number 148 in our book from Psalm or in, in some of the hymn books from Psalm 148. But also that song is translated, uh, praise the Lord. Uh, ye heavens adore him, uh, taken from the same Psalm, Psalm 148, except a different version now, a newer translation. Instead of saying, Alleluia, praise Jehovah, it begins with praise the Lord. Um, and so we'll close with the reading of this great Psalm, Psalm 117. And I hope that you'll use it uh, to as a call to worship yourself uh, in all you say and in all you do. That's the message of Colossians 3 verse 17, that everything we say and everything we do is done as an act of worship to God, is done in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord, all you nations. Extol him, all you peoples. For great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Amen.